best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me, as always, is Willow. Hello. Hi, Willow. How are you this evening? I'm doing good. I'm all right as well. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a terrible shitty day today. No. It was okay. Yeah. It was... <laughs> I'm like right on board with you. It was very... It was very okay. It was yeah. mild. It was If mild. it had a flavor, it'd be mild. Yeah. So, as y'all know, this is cult month at Cruelty Podcast. Yes. And... I'm covering a famous cult today, Willow, and you've heard about it. I'm sure everyone has. What was it? The Heaven's Gate cult. Right. I've definitely heard of this, obviously. Yes. It's one of those ones where it's like, you know, when people ask, like, what's a serial killer? And people are like, Dahmer eight people. You know, it's like one of those yeah, things you, where you, People name, like, Jonestown, Heaven's Gate, or, like, yeah. the Manson family. When you say Heaven's Gate, what did I say? Purple shoes, and I meant purple shroud. Yes. The, yeah, I, I, I get the image of the shoes, and that's about it. Yeah, and, of course, it was associated with UFOs, too, and so people really like to make fun of this one. Right. And, you know, because you have a Jonestown, people are like, oh, drink the Kool-Aid. It was flavor. Which I will say every episode, by the way. I'm just gonna. And I have a reason for that. But it's a private joke now, and you don't get to know. So uh, it's it's like that with this one, too. It's just, ooh, the space alien. They were gonna ride on the comet. Mer. It's really way more complicated than that, and absolutely not funny at all. And the fact that they made, like, Saturday Night Live and news agencies and stuff really ridiculed these people... Oh, I didn't know that. ...disgusts me. Yeah. Now... We have to add, this is a true crime podcast, mm -hmm. and we're going to have to explore whether this was actually a crime or not. Okay. I yeah. posit, I'm going to give my opinion ahead of time, that it's a crime, and I'll explain it later. Right. But I do see the other side where it's like, well, this was their choice, you have the right to do whatever you yeah, want Yeah, but body, uh, remember but... the case of the teenage girl who basically bullied that boy into killing himself? Yes. And I don't know, yes. it, it was persuasion and bullying. Mm -hmm. I, we're running into the same issue okay. on this one. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, in, in order to give the proper context for this, I have to do just a little bit of history, and I promise I won't, this isn't a class and there's not a test, but it, it is really important for context. It does set context. the scene. Yeah, because mm -hmm. most people believe this was a cult that was in the 90s. Nah, mm -hmm. it was much older than that. Oh. See? You're going to learn things today. Yeah, definitely. We all going to learn. Mm -hmm. So in times of stress in society, people often turn to religion, especially millennial, millennial areaism. It is a hard word to say, and I'm sorry. <laughs> that sounds like tongue yoga. Millennialism. Yes, I have done it. Wow. Okay. And that is a set of beliefs that a cataclysm or other disruptive event will occur soon and change everything. It's like every 10 years. It really is. It runs it's in all cycles. The time. For sure. Mm -hmm. And like I like I get it. Like look at our times right now. We have COVID. Mm -hmm. All of the protests in 2020. Mm -hmm. The stupid dumb fuck insurrection on January 6th of last year. 
we're all ready for a real change. Our Arctic poles. Oh, I didn't even mention climate change, but (laughs) I mention it every other time, so why not this time too? But basically, people, they're protesting, terrible events are happening because they feel powerless, and so what they want is like a big fucking meteor to like smash everything, Mm -hmm. not because they want the world to end. They want the world to change. They want the system that's in place to end. And they, you just start wishing. You find yourself wishing for the big fuck meteor. Yeah. I frequently do. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I'll go that. sit under it. Absolutely. The Mai Tai and some heroin. So I'm sorry, if we're going to get killed by a meteor, I'm just going to do all the drugs at once. So when people long for change, they see the signs of it everywhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Societal collapse, mm-hmm. climate change. Mm-hmm. Anything. They see this as the coming apocalypse, the end of the world. Because we just want it to be different. Mm -hmm. Even if the road to getting there is destructive. You saw that with Am Shinrikyo, too. Absolutely. You had kind of a crisis in Japan from moving Mm -hmm. from traditional Japanese life to post-war Japan and then industrialized Japan. Mm -hmm. And then the urbanization. And people felt there wasn't a place for individuality and there wasn't a place for rest and family and spiritual beliefs. And when you get that kind of concoction going, all sorts of shit go bad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would I would also posit that's why we've got an explosion of cult-like activity right now. That's why membership in the KKK is up, and that's a cult. Yeah. And that's why we've got this QAnon dumb right. fuckery. Right, right. And mm-hmm. I mentioned, um, I don't know if I was talking to you or Maris or both, but golly, the whole like hippie new age stuff being adjacent to a lot of right wing nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's queer cute. You've got people who were definitely like would vote Democrat and all that shit. Big Q, Q idiots right now. And are these people stupid? Because this is going to, I'm going to go through this and you're going to think every one of these people are, are just dumb. Right. Or mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And the answer is no, neither one of those things. It's so, when we're stuck in a rut, like we are right now, where everyone's really frustrated, especially in times of financial hardship, golly, it just can't, you can't think rationally. Right. And I make, I maintain that, like, you know, don't don't talk too fast there. No, not so fast. It could happen to you, too. Right. And so, in talking about cults and stuff like that, and brainwashing and mind control and all of that, Boy, really just, if you're sitting on some weird beliefs right now, I would ask that you maybe really examine why you're feeling that way. Like if you think vaccines are bad. Or if you think the government's trying to control you. Mm, Calm down and, and think about it. That's all I'm saying. Because you make yourself an easy target without realizing it. And it's not because you're stupid. It's actually probably because you're pretty smart and you're trying to be a free thinker. And it ends up sometimes doing the exact opposite. So we're going to go back to the 1970s. Okay. And that saw a rise in this kind (coughs) of like religious activity. So what was going on back then? Well, a lot. People, you know... Mm -hmm. 
I was a I wasn't alive in the 70s. I was alive in 1979, but I was a baby. And it was at the end of 1979. So most people who are listening to this podcast, because I looked at our our metrics or our numbers, it's mostly people our age. Right. Like in their mid twenties to late forties. Mm-hmm. And most of us weren't alive in the seventies. So we don't really know what the fuck was going on. Right. So I will tell you what was going on. Lots of protests. The women's rights movement and the gay rights movement Mm -hmm. in particular. And this is right on the tail end of the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. We moved right into women's rights and gay rights. And so there were protests everywhere all the time. And there was a lot of media coverage on it too. And see, you don't get that. People act like talking about the LGBTQIA community and their rights is new. Uh, No, ding dongs, it's not new. And saying like, oh, political correctness. This has been, people been screaming this shit for like decades. It's not new. It just goes quiet for a little while. And then we swing right back around. It is like, it is like a 10 year cycle. Sometimes a little longer, but you get my drift. Mm -hmm. We also had the Watergate scandal Mm -hmm. with Richard Nixon. And if you don't know what Watergate was, it is where he had his guys break into the opposing parties like, political office and like rifle through their paperwork which is uh illegal as fuck and he was impeached and before he could be terminated from his position as president he resigned and then johnson his vice president pardoned him which was all around slimy and awful and he faced no consequences for breaking the law so as you you just got mad hearing that i can feel it in the force and so in hearing that and you're mad. Imagine how you felt back then when it was actively happening in your life. Right. Infuriated. Right. Well, and he also symbolized, like, the man. The man. The, the man that's yeah. oppressing you. Yeah. And not only is he oppressing you, he gets to do something that is so fucking illegal. <laughs> as, yeah. like, like, one of the most powerful people on the planet, he gets to do something, like, blatantly illegal and then get away, get with, away it. with it. But all you're doing is existing. And it's hard. And it's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So people were mad yeah. about that. We were still in the midst of the Vietnam War. Not mm-hmm. a popular war. And we mm-hmm. lost. And, and people our are boys being, were like, dying. And off left and right, being drafted. It's, it's a high stress time. And a lot of people here aren't going to remember a draft. We haven't ever had one in our lifetimes. I was not taught about the draft in school. No. So the draft, um, guys will know about this, cis guys, mm-hmm. and guys who people who are assigned male at birth. When you register to vote at 18, you must also sign up for the draft. It is the law. The draft says the military, if we get into a big war, can pick you. And what was really fucked up about the Vietnam War is you got exceptions for being in college. So the rich kids didn't have to go mm-hmm. and the poor boys did. Mm-hmm. And so people were rightfully incensed and it was a bloody horrific combat and so many American boys were lost. Mm-hmm. And, and they were man, picked off by their last name. Yeah. They were like, if... if Disproportionately ours. poor and yeah. African-American and minorities. Because yeah. let's just get rid of them, right? Right. Right. And in addition to that, we had the Cold War. Another thing, you know, uh, younger millennials and Generation Z don't know much about, but that's where we thought at any moment Russia was going to nuke us into oblivion. And I mean, literally, I did in my kindergarten class have a drill 
It was probably one of the last ones ever done where we got under our desk because if the nukes were going to come, I guess hide under wood. Yeah. So you just burn faster? I remember those. And I was like, what are nukes? Yeah. You know, I was more worried about, like, I don't know, my shoes or something. Yeah, I, uh, I they I didn't really, really do really those past my kil- kindergarten days, but they might have in other places. But, yeah. man, I, I was terrified of nuclear war as a child up yeah. until I was, like, 12. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's how we're all going to die. And a lot of people were convinced of that. It was like a certainty. We were going to drop nukes on each other and annihilate the planet. So there were a lot of protests about that, too. In addition, there was an energy crisis. There were hours-long lines at gas stations, and the prices were the prices they are today. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. So pe- to people, all of these look like world-ending things, just like COVID yeah. and supply shortages. And just go to Reddit Nursing, the subreddit Nursing. Oh, my God. Or don't, unless you want to traumatize the fuck out of yourself and get diarrhea because you're nervous. Those. It's hell on earth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know what? I don't blame people for thinking this is it. Yeah. It ain't it, but I don't blame people for thinking it. Right. And then you have global warming and all that shit. So all that was going on in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Plus a lot of like evangelistic bullshit too and indoctrination that way too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. TV hadn't been around very long. Yes. But televangelists were, were coming on the scene. Yes. And it was like, it was like leave it to beaver you know, Andy Griffith, and then televangelist, and then, like, marketing. Pretty much. Yeah. So, in addition to all that societal unrest and dissatisfaction and fear, this was really the first generation that grew up believing in UFOs. A book had been published in 1968, which I read, Mm -hmm. that was super popular, especially in the New Age groups, and New Age stuff had been popular since the 60s. People in the 60s started getting really interested in yoga and meditation Mm -hmm. and other like Eastern practices, especially Mm -hmm. from India and China and Japan, because Mm -hmm. the establishment was quite Christian and the counterculture movement in the 60s was about embracing other things. Mm -hmm. So we could have a change, the age of Aquarius and all that shit. Right. Yeah. Crunchy granola nonsense. And I'm look, yoga's awesome. Meditation's great. Yeah. Eastern practices are great, but people tend to cherry pick them and whiteify them and make them not the same thing. It's very awkward to see, like, white Americans with, like... Bendies. Yeah, and Hindu stuff written all over them and stuff like that. Like, I get it. I might have had one of those backpacks when I was, like, 20 or something yeah. like that. You know, like, when not Stefani, really Stefani, from No Doubt, made bendies cool, the little jewel on your yeah, forehead. Yeah, yeah, I used to wear them going yeah, to too. clubs and stuff. But I went to like, raves, for God's sakes, Yeah, but I also had, like, jewels all over my face. I, you know, I don't know. But it, yeah, is, before it is pretty, we, it's still cringy. It's cringy it's as fuck. Cringy. It's cringy as fuck. Mm-hmm. There's some pictures I'm glad don't exist. Low-rise jeans with 14 different tank tops all... Like, oh, see, I was layer. a mom then, so that was fine. Like, it's I didn't so do funny. that. I couldn't low-rise jeans because I was pregnant for, like, ten years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this book that was published in 1968 was called Chariots of the Gods by Eric Von Daniken. This, in this familiar. book... Huh? Sounds familiar. Yeah. It was famous. In this book, Von Daniken posited that ancient gods were actually aliens... And that he could prove it via translations from ancient Sumerian texts. That's why it's familiar. 
like the Anunnaki. Yes. If you guys haven't heard about that, it's the belief that the Anunnaki were from outer space and yes. they were the ancient Sumerian gods and they uh, basically made us a slave race. It's a whole thing. And then it turned anti-Semitic and infinitely stupid. It turned anti-Semitic? Of course it did. Why does everything have to be racist? Well, that's not racist. It's anti-Semitic because the Jews aren't a race. They're a culture. And eh, still. It's bad. Yeah. We've just always hated the Jews for some reason. That's and I, I want to do an episode one day on like, why? <laughs> because I don't. I know. I know. It's really weird. <laughs> it's so weird, mm. y'all. And you're like, well, they run all the banks. Do they? Who cares? Who cares who runs yeah. the banks? It's, it's, not, it's not the whole thing. Why do they run Hollywood? Uh, some do, some don't. I don't know what to tell you. There are just some places that that's where those people ended up after World War II. Mm -hmm. Now look, and the whole Israel thing, look, I am not pro-Israel at all. I've been pretty adamant about but it ain't because I hate Jews. It's because I hate forcing a people out and bombing them to death because I think that's fucked up. I like to take it on an individual fucking basis, yeah. but I'm not going to get too off track because you know I could angry rant for a very long time. Now, as time passed, researchers have largely debunked Von Daniken's work. <laughs> Surprise there. But man, people still believe it. But at the time, and I'm not going to get into, there's not all of his work is crap. And I'm not going to get into what is and what isn't because that's not what this episode's about. It just was really influential on people at the time. Because they kind of like took things, like for example, like the book of Ezekiel, um, mm. When he sees the flaming wheels and eyes in the sky and mm -hmm. stuff and angels look crazy and yeah. like biblically accurate angels are a meme now, which I just mm -hmm. love. Um, people assumed what they were. It was ancient people's interpretations of UFOs and extraterrestrials. Right. And what <laughs> blows my mind is that may be true. That, yeah, I was about to say that makes sense, of course. It, it just actually might be. That's the government has kind of softly confirmed that our entire right. religious beliefs right. are based on aliens. Right. Well, and like I used to tell people like growing up when I was like, religion is fucking stupid. You know, I was like, what do, if you're a drug dealer and drugs are obviously illegal and you're going to talk on the phone about drugs, you're not going to say like, verbatim if you think you're being watched or whatever you're not going to say verbatim like i'm going to go to this spot and give you this amount of x drug for x you know like you're not going to lay it out like that you're going to use a series of like euphemisms well, or another like, way to put it you're, would be you're going to say weird things in order to say what you mean and i think that's what they were doing they were basically giving analogies for things that they couldn't necessarily say well sort of i think I think that analogy is a little mixed, but what, what it was more like is a cargo cult. If you've never heard of cargo cults, I will explain. So uh, during a lot of different wars, especially World War II and the subsequent wars after that, you'd have military planes flying over islands of people that had never seen white people or planes. And to them, they were great metal birds in the sky Oh, and you see like, the people down mm -hmm, there below and they're like mm -hmm, waving at you. Mm -hmm. They started dropping gifts for them, like food and clothes and stuff, charity, because you're not really supposed to interact with tribes. You're supposed to keep them kind of isolated. But to them, it's the gods dropping gifts from the sky. Okay, that makes sense. And so it's kind of like we're a cargo cult. So let's say 
aliens show up and they're like, here's some technology and how to be peaceful and good. And we're like worshiping them as gods. Maybe they didn't ask us to, mm-hmm. but that's just what we did because all technology will look like magic if you don't understand that technology. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I think it is far more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into quantum physics and alternate realities and other dimensions and ultra-dimensional ultra beings because I could go off. <laughs> yeah. So the book resonated with people who had become disillusioned with religion, largely due to the LGBTQIA community and women not feeling at home in the church because duh. Right. These new age communities, these UFO religions were welcoming to misfits, welcoming to everybody. And then you have a great interest in the scientists and you have physicists and engineers and biochemists and they're not religious people. But they don't want to be atheists. They want to feel some kind of spiritual connection and sense of community. Mm -hmm. And so that's why these things were so popular. Well, plus, like, the whole sci-fi thing was extremely popular back then. And you you got to think, like, we we didn't have technology that we have today. We have the aspiration that made the technology that we have today. So Mm -hmm. all these people were inspired by technology, wanting to grow technology, wanting to like seeking technological. We had just landed on the moon. Exactly. So our possibilities were all over the place. Exactly. And so the sixties also saw a lot of experimentation with hallucinogenic drugs like mushrooms, Mm -hmm. You know, psilocybin, acid, and peyote mm-hmm. were the main ones. And even, like, people don't like to say this, but y'all, weed is a hallucinogenic drug. If you don't believe me, go eat, like, four edibles and then talk to me. And hallucinogenics are not just visual. No, they're auditory. They're weird feelings and weird ideas. Mm-hmm. And so people were interested, too, in expanding their consciousness. Right. And this continued on, and the CIA experimented with it even. It was, like, Mm -hmm. legit. Mm -hmm. So what does all of this have to do with the cult that we're talking about today? Everything. Right. Yeah. It was the perfect time, attitude, and place for the creation of Heaven's Gate. Mm -hmm. Heaven's Gate was founded by Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite. And I love their names. This is so cute. They sound like my oh, like, little ponies. They're like cottage core. Right? <laughs> little little oh, cottage core. Apple white, the little pony that likes apples. And apples. you have Bonnie Nettles. She's thorny on the outside, but squishy on the inside. Jesus. <laughs> they are. They're like little ponies in my brain. Yeah. Tempted oh. to draw that. Not gonna. It would be insensitive. To understand how these otherwise intelligent and rational people came to believe what they did, we have to look at their lives first. Right. I'm going to start with Bonnie. Bonnie was born on August 29th, 1927 in Houston, Texas. She was raised Baptist and went on to nursing school. She married a businessman and had four children and went on to be a nurse, like in that order. And y'all, that at the time, that was the American dream. Yeah, they got them say. a house. They both got mm-hmm. some jobs. They had a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And she immediately became disillusioned with all of it. She just didn't feel a sense of community she felt isolated by working so y'all being a nurse is fucked up it's so hard i i was thinking about that the other day how nurses are like literally the backbone of our society like nurses are fucking heaven sent. Nurses, nurses teachers mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and those are typically in America anyway, especially during this time period, these are women's jobs. Yes. We are the backbone of this nation, yes. you sons yes. of bitches. Yes. And so are black people. And they're the nurturing jobs. They built the country. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm, yeah, I know. You know I'll go off. I gotta calm down. Reel it in. Here we go. So... She started, as she started approaching middle age, she started kind of becoming interested in the occult and esotericism, new age mysticism, and mediumship and channeling, which, preach sister, me too. Yeah. In 1972, her marriage was falling apart. She became increasingly dissatisfied with her life, and she met Marshall Applewhite that year, and they formed a fast and instant friendship. And y'all, it was cute. Marshall Applewhite. Marshall. So precious. I, I just can't get over it. He loved her like, so Like, he had a bow tie. He, he had a bow at tie. At some point, I'm sure he and, did. And no he doubt. he wore, like, that, like, that material that's, like, the same as your couch. Polyester? No. Velvet? Woven. Oh, I don't woven know. Woven stuff. Tweed. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he'd just gotten divorced and lost his job. And the two of them had beliefs in common. They were both... They both really loved music, too. This was not, I stress, a romantic relationship. This was platonic, and it was the whole time. They started a group called the Christian Art Center, which was a place that offered classes on religion, art, and music. But it quickly went woo-woo, which was fine. So she left her family, including her children, and told them that she needed to travel with Marshall so she could find herself, and she had a message, and she wanted to make the world a better place. And she'd be back soon. And she never came back. I've heard this story. Or not this <clears throat> particular story, but I know someone who did that exact same thing, only it was Hawaii. She left, like, five kids to her husband overnight. I couldn't do it. Just I, I, I just take the little shits with me. Yeah. Or I just, just lose the man. I just, no, was, I, I just, I just have a feeling it was the man. No. She's cuckoo banana nuts. Bonnie was not cuckoo banana nuts. In fact, I'll talk about that a little bit later. The girl I knew was. She felt trapped by her life is what I think it was. And that's not what she wanted for herself. But it was the expectation of what she should want. And that's what trapped her. So she, her beliefs she'd been raised with began to change pretty much the minute she like left home. She was very interested in biblical prophecy, and she believed in her own interpretation of the book of Revelation, that two people would be witnesses to the revelation and would spread the message of judgment, be martyred, and then resurrected and taken to heaven on a cloud. And there are some passages that back up that. Wow. This is where she merged New Age, UFO, and Christian beliefs. She believed that the cloud was actually ancient people's interpretation of a UFO. Okay. And that she was one of the witnesses, along with Marshall Applewhite. And that their bodies would be transformed into immortal extraterrestrial beings, and they would ascend to the next level of human evolution. They called themselves he and she, the two. Eventually, T and Doe. And I'll explain that. That's cute, though. It's because they were big musical theater fans. I know. I was like, aw. Yeah. And they really loved the sound of music. I, was, I know. I, I did it in my head. I was like, aw. Do. 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 Oh, my God. Yep. They even made little songs. Aww. Yeah, it was cute. 
Bonnie was tea and Marshall was dough. Mm. The two believed that Jesus went to heaven because he ascended to the next level, something they called the level above human or T-law. They believed that Marshall had come from the realm of T-law and that she had to. They had come from that realm back to incarnating as humans to spread the message to save people, basically. Yep. Now on to Marshall. Marshall Applewhite was born on March 17th, 1932 in Spur, Texas. And I love the name of it. Marshall Applewhite from Spur. From Spur, Texas. <laughs> Good gracious. I wish I could whistle my S's. I do. I'm glad you can't. He was the son of a Presbyterian minister. His father was strict and very religious. Problem was, Marshall was gay. Oh. He tried to deny this to himself and went on to college and later entered the Union Theological Seminary of Virginia. He was going to become a minister just like his father. But he couldn't hang. He could not graduate. He just couldn't do it. He was more creative and drawn to music, so he accepted a position as the music director of a church in North Carolina. However, he went on to serve in the military for two years, and when he got back, he just kind of bounced around between jobs for a while, kind of couldn't decide on what to do with his life. Finally, though, he landed a job as the head of music, as the, at the head, oh my Jesus Christ. Words, <laughs> come out my word hole. Oh, that's my mouth. Word hole. Word hole. He landed a job as the head of the music department <laughs> at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas. He started there in the early 60s and held that position until 1971. But he lost his job because he was caught having an affair with a man. Shortly after this, and of course that ended his marriage too. That's why he got divorced. He met Bonnie and they became fast friends and then they moved on to start their group, giving lessons in music, religion, and art. Mm. I don't know why I their like friendship them. is so cute to me, but it just is. I've always, I've always had like at least one to five gay counterparts at all times. I, I'm, yeah. They just, just were in love as platonic. I and I have a few that like that I've just grown old with. One in particular that. He'll never listen to my podcast because, or they they will never listen to my podcast because they're too busy singing or whatever. But oh, I know who you're talking. I about. know, <laughs> but no, that it just reminds me of me and Ambrose Ash. Like, yeah, he's my, he's my gay forever counterpart. They're very cute. Yeah, sorry, but very bitchy. Very bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they know what to make of me. It's okay. I don't but either. I enjoy it very much. I, I just, because they're so the biggest like piece bitchy, of shit, but like <laughs> I know they're one so of my favorite people on the planet. Bitchy to you, but so respectful to me. Like a little scary. Oh yeah, I'm a scary lady. It's true. It's if people only knew, I'm like the least scary bitch on the planet. But they can go ahead and keep thinking it. It works for me, I guess. They both decided that they needed to spread the word of their beliefs, and they traveled the country looking for new followers. They also wanted to learn from other gurus and just kind of expose themselves to other beliefs. So they did that a lot. They joined a lot of New Age groups. It was during this time that they referred to themselves as Bo and Peep. Oh! And this is before they adopted the tea and dough. Oh, this is really pulling at my heartstrings. It's this is so very sad. Relevant. This is so I sad. I know. 
Oh my goodness. I know. They started amassing a following because people really liked their belief about the UFO stuff. That's what really got them attention. And the following believed because they told them that a UFO would soon descend from the heavens and take them to Tila, to heaven, to the next level beyond humanity, to the, you know. Further and beyond. It was then the bad press started. And the press wasn't kind. T and Doe were ridiculed in the press as the founders of a weird and crazy UFO cult. In addition to the bad press, their followers started to quickly become disillusioned because every day that passed without a flying saucer picking them up, they began to doubt. And so they started losing members. And this is where shit goes off the rails. Yeah. All of these cults are about control, ultimately. And at first it really seems like it's T who's leading the group, Bonnie. Mm -hmm. It is not really. Yeah. It's Marshall. To avoid the press and the doubters, T and Doe made the group way more secretive, more private, and moved them first to Denver and then to Fort Worth, Texas. They imposed exceptionally strict rules on the group. They lived like monks. In fact, they called, called themselves like a monastic order and had a rigid code to follow that included wearing uniforms no makeup for women, short haircuts for both genders, no facial hair, sexuality of any kind was forbidden, the amount of food they ate was regulated, like everybody had to eat the same amount of portions. Like if you were having pancakes, Mm -hmm. you could have two. They had to be the same size and the same amount of syrup poured on everyone's plate. Like they were that rigid. They were not allowed to talk to their families because they weren't in the network, and Heaven's Gate became a classic cult. And families started to get worried about their loved ones. Do you think it was the ridicule that pushed them into yes. being a cult? Okay. Yes, I do. I do think... It really felt like it with this one. They were being very open, free love. Yeah. They would answer the press's questions. Yeah. They were really excited about their ideas. There so many cults going on at this time. Yeah. That well, this was the, after the Manson cult shit, and people and the viewed... Press, yeah. The press was already getting paid... For cult ridicule. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, this was sensationalism, yeah. for sure. Yeah, And just making fun of them for money. Right. And It was the headlines. I didn't. I say that I think it pushed them towards it, but I think they would have ended up there anyway. But it would have been more gradual. It would have been probably more gradual, but it was Marshall. Yeah. Um, and I'll kind of... Just keep in mind, he's like in the background. He's like... Have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? Where, like, the king of Rohan has an advisor whose name is Wormtongue. Like, that didn't give you a hint that he was a bad guy. And he's, like, always whispering evil shit in the king's ear. Marshall's like that. So you have all these rules, and nobody's allowed to talk to their family. But Bonnie is writing letters to her children, like, once a week. She is not following the rules. She thinks they're ridiculous. Bonnie had become disillusioned with it already. So does he know this? No. Marshall never knew that. And I think it was less about keeping up appearances and more about not hurting Marshall's feelings. Oh, okay, that makes sense. And I felt like now that they had all these followers, Mm -hmm. I think she felt really responsible for them. Like, they kind of replaced her children. Right. And so she felt like she couldn't let them down, but she just couldn't stick with the rules. They were too harsh. She missed her kids. But she was in too deep type of deal, and she didn't want to hurt Marshall, who I believe 
I believe they really, really sincerely loved each other yeah. platonically. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, we place all of our eggs in the romantic relationship basket. I have, mm -mm. okay, I have one romantic partner, but I have several platonic relationships where I wholeheartedly love, love that person. person. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I would fucking die for so many people other than my husband. Yes. And I just don't think that like that's that that should definitely be a normal thing. I consider them family. When why I why is that weird? I don't know. Like when I love a friend, they're now part of my family, and I would do the same for them as I would my husband and children. Absolutely. Sorry about it. And my we got to make that normal. My heart's big. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't have to have sex with everybody I love. Nope. In fact, don't want to. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just I don't I don't get why that's because people had insisted for a long time that they were romantic. They absolutely were not. Right. In fact, they were both celibate. That makes sense. The celibacy issue was pushed by Marshall the hardest. And if people weren't allowed, like couldn't follow the rules, adios. They got kicked out. So they all lived in relative obscurity in Fort Worth, Texas, until 1985. Bonnie T. started having trouble with her eye a few years prior. It was found out that she had cancer of the eye, and her eye was removed. But it was too late. The cancer had spread to her liver, although it is possible that it was liver cancer that spread to her eye. Either way, Bonnie was always very closed-lipped about it. She didn't even tell her children she was sick. Mm. And in 1985, Bonnie died. Joe was absolutely devastated and gutted by her death. It went against what they'd been teaching their followers. Death prevented you from ascending to Tila, to heaven. It seemed she'd failed in her mission. Oh my God. Or it was just something all not true and they just imagined it. Wait, like, so everybody that has ever died can't go to heaven? You have to, like jump no you could but it was like you couldn't become like a godlike being yourself you were still just a human oh. they were trying to transcend past to god to okay. godhood god. yeah god, 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 god. Okay. and doe just couldn't bear her death he couldn't bear that yeah. they were wrong he couldn't bear that yeah. she had died this would have been the time to stop the cult yeah after t's death he let his followers return home to visit their families and they all did and only one rem member didn't return. The rest did. Wow. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But I, you can, like, if you listen to the recordings and, like, interviews with Marshall Doe, he's just weeping in all of them. He just is so devastated. Oh, oh it's so awful. And I think he was so lost without her. Yeah. But I mean, it he also... He was lost as it was. He was lost as it was, but, it, but... he was now unchecked. He and this no is one. bad. He has no one. He has nobody. She was his everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And his followers, and he did love them very much. Right. I do believe that. But I don't think that he could stand on his own. I think no. they kind of supported each other. Yes. Her. She kept him. him in check. Yeah. She kept him from getting out of control with his but crazy like, rules. Like, but he also, she also kept him emotionally strong. Yes. And without her, he's just a big puddle. That is correct. Which is pitiful. Yeah. So why did they come back? Because it had been proven to them right. that their leaders were wrong. Because of a little thing we like to call cognitive 
dissonance. Oh, I know, right? So here we have their doctrine proven wrong. T didn't ascend on a craft. She didn't change to the next level. But instead of seeing the truth, Doe redefined it. T's cancer wasn't cancer. It was the next level energy burning up her human vehicle to help it ascend to the next level. So it became a spiritual transformation instead of a bodily transformation. In order to, to ascend to heaven, to Tila, to evolve, one had to shed purposefully their physical bodies, or as the cult called them, their vehicles. And that was, that's how he changed the narrative. Wow. And not even a decade after T's death, Doe proclaims himself as Jesus returned. Oh, God, there it is. Yep, and that T was the heavenly father in an earthly form. And that he was always in contact with her. Doe became more apocalyptic, more biblical, more strict, and began moving away from T's more new age flair for things. What drugs was he on? None. But what kind of drugs? No. <laughs> I know. No drugs. I just don't believe it. it. Ego. Wow. Okay. Control. Okay. I think he got off on just those things. Just spun him cookies. He just needed to kiss a man, and he would have been better. Oh. This is what just, this is all it about. Festers. It festers. It's like ingrown hair or something. Yes. So the dynamic oh of the group changed completely. Doe was more interested in rigid control more than ever before. He held a ceremony where each member married him and was given a plain gold band. And the way he set this up is so fucked. Okay, so as they've gone along, uh, Heaven's Gate members had given up all worldly possessions. Uh -huh. They did not contact with, no contact with their families. They gave up their identity. They're all wearing these uniforms. Mm -hmm. They gave up their sexuality. They're all androgynous. And he asked them, what they would do if right now he gave them each a hundred dollars and it like fried their brains. They like couldn't answer the question. They thought oh, it was a trick question. Wow. And so he did that and had them all buy these plain gold wedding bands. And it was like a really elaborate, like he'd like, given them this me? gift. Yes. Would you? Oh, wow. They're all married to him now. So the dialogue shifts from the message that they must evolve themselves into perfect alien beings in order to get into heaven, to they must follow Doe without question. Wow. Yeah. That went from, like, rainbows and sunshine and happy flowers... To crazy to, bullshit. Yeah, absolute yes. domination. Absolute domination. That's what this is about. Wow. Yeah. So over the following decade, Marshall had himself castrated. Oh, and suggested that all the men follow suit. Oh, no. While not all did it, a lot did. Oh. He was trying to remove everyone's humanity so they could ascend to the next level. Due to the issues with castration and the rigid rules and brainwashing, Heaven's Gate started bleeding members. Be well, because obviously. Because it's bleeding members. Yeah. <laughs> the castration sorry, was clear. Was really yeah, it was. I ignored it. <laughs> The castration was clearly about his animosity towards his own sexuality. Yeah. He... So right before then, he had dismissed a longtime member because he said his vehicle was unfortunately becoming attracted to the mem like the other member's vehicle. He was wanted him. Like he an wanted... eye for an eye yeah. kind of thing. And the other member was gay too. 
And I really wish they'd just had an affair. Like, just let let your body sin. You no. <laughs> no. Is, th- is that why he cut it off, though? Is because of that biblical reference? Kind of, yeah. The extreme he went to with the castration was all because he was having nocturnal emissions. Oh. And had to find a way to stop it. It's actually rumored it was another zealous member who had the idea of castration, but there's no proof of this. I really do think it was Marshall's idea. No, that was his idea. That Absolutely. Was, that was a thousand percent his idea. I mean, he kind of had a little yes man that was always feeding him like, yeah, but like taking it one step further than what Marshall mm-hmm. wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to present this as Marshall having no empathy. In fact, what happens next shows that he did. Okay. Unfortunately, it had a really hard time finding a doctor willing to perform these castrations, yeah. obviously. So they did them in-house. Oh. One of the members was a nurse, and she was the one who performed them. Unfortunately, one of them was botched and resulted in hospitalization. Because that's not what she did. He blamed himself. He said that he had gone too far, and he'd never forgive himself for it. He felt really bad. Yeah. And I get it. But it's just, the whole thing's so sad. I don't know. So losing members, the botched castration, Doe felt it was time to literally end things. But he wanted to make one final push. In order to recruit new members and spread his apocalyptic message, Doe took out ads in the USA Today, and these were like full page. Cost, and this is in the 90s he's doing this. It cost $30,000. What? Yep, he had his followers put up flyers, like, all over the place. They traveled around, and they made VHS tapes and books and, like, sent them out everywhere. And they even had a public access TV show for a while, which is where you'll see a lot of the, like, crazy speeches Mm -hmm. and rants Mm -hmm. from. It didn't do much, this recruitment push. It really didn't do what he wanted it to do. They gained like a couple new followers and some older followers rejoined. And they just couldn't figure out why they even went online. And this was like people like this is around 1994. No one was online in 1994. It was like really new. And he went on to message boards and stuff and he was spouting all of his ideas. Do you think it was the hospitalization that pissed or that, that drove him that, over the edge yeah yeah i do actually okay. and this next thing that happens made okay. it worse okay. so they had spent over 18 years in seclusion yeah they are basically like a bunch of monks they don't really interact with society because they think society is the literal devil like yeah. it's evil and it's going to poison them and keep them from ascending to the next level right and so they ignore it they are out of touch. And now they're util- or they're trying to utilize it. Yeah. Well, you can't if you've pushed it away. And another thing is that these ideas that make perfect sense to Doe and the rest of Heaven's Gate make absolute no sense to anyone else. Right. They've been too, like, it's like an in-joke that nobody else is going to get. It's too specific mm-hmm. to them. And, like, they, they kind of crafted their own elaborate mythology. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, like, trying to sit down and explain, I don't know, Game of Thrones to somebody who hates fantasy fiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see that. And I'm, I, I pick Game of Thrones 
And the reason why I say Game of Thrones is because, not because I like it, I... Sorry, I didn't mean to clap. You clap because it's too uh, right. It was an affirmation. I don't like that show. No, I don't get entertainment off raping little girls, I guess. That's, it's so triggering. <laughs> I, I can't get past, it's just like so many other. And it takes all the tropes and it doesn't turn them on their head at all. We have the white savior thing going on, which makes him want to vomit in every direction. We have the femme fatale with Cersei. And of course, she rocks fall. Everyone dies. It's so stupid. It's, the incest makes me want to and hurl. And the weird ass, like, like, trying to be Beauty and the Beast, but it's actually, like, super bad rapey and gross and awful. And, and then she's in love with her rapist. She's in love with her rapist. She asks her maid to show her how to fuck a dude. And just they can have like a lesbian scene in there. And you know what? George R. R. Martin, go sell fish sticks because that's what you're dressed up like you're gonna do anyway. He does, he looks like a little sea captain that's gonna oh sell me God. fish sticks. So yeah, they're online and they're trying to explain their complicated belief system and they're just getting bullied. It's just going like way over their heads. Too. They might be one of the first cases of cyberbullying ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, 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 God. the original like godfathers of trolling were like ah oh, yes delicious. <laughs> delicious. their knuckles up. yeah but this delicious. had really terrible consequences <laughs> oh, this is no. why we don't do that y'all let someone bully. cringe the best answer to cringe is silence there's a reason why cringing is not an like an audible thing that you no, do you just go <gasps> and then you'd say nothing it's a wince. It's a wince. It's a sucking air through the teeth, yeah, etc. That's it. The final parts of Doe's plan began to form. They were graduating to the next level. In order to attain Tila, they had to commit suicide. And they didn't often call it that. They called it the exit. No. Exit. Yeah. And remember how I told you political things happening are going to be what shapes mm-hmm. religions and mm-hmm. beliefs. And so around this time, in the 70s, we had, or like 70s, 80s, we had Randy Weaver at Ruby Ridge. And this was just kind of a militia guy who had amassed a lot of weapons. The government killed him. And then the events at Waco, the Branch Davidians. And remember, they were in, they, he's, this kind of all started in Texas. Mm-hmm. The Branch Davidians played a big part in Doe's belief that there was a war against those who believed differently. He believed it would happen to Heaven's Gate, even though the government literally never bothered them. Most of the the cults that I've researched so far have utilized the Branch Davidian as a kind of like, see, look, look what happened to them. See, that could happen to us. That government fuck up, and it was a fuck up, Mm -hmm. y'all, led to so many conspiracy theories, more right wing extremism. They still talk about it. So many... um, uh, like white nationalist cults yes. utilize that. Timothy McVeigh, who did the Oklahoma City bombing. Yes. I'm. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was inspired by Waco. So it was just more brainwashing yeah. to get people in the right headspace in which taking their own life in the service of this cult was something they would not only be willing to do, but that they'd want to do. And he started having meetings where he would ask them if that's something they'd be willing to do. You know, not right now, but it's something we may have to do in order to escape right. the world, which is obviously out to get right. us. Look at how we're bullied. Right. Look at how they don't understand how they make right. fun of us. If push comes to shove, are you going to be willing 
to pay the ultimate price. Yeah. And to them, it's not a price. They'd be glad to leave. They're happy to be gone. They're ascending. Yes. But what really pushed it over the edge towards its lethal end was the discovery of the Hale-Bopp comet. Oh, yeah. On Ju- and this was actually a cool discovery. On July 23rd, 1995, both Alan Hale and Thomas Bopp separately discovered it. And they were amateurs. It was widely pub- publicized in the media. And at first, the cult paid no mind to it. And here's where it gets wild and then it kind of brings up some questions of ethics in podcasting and radio right especially woo-woo stuff and especially true crime stuff because look we are a funny podcast right i like to make it the jokes yeah i mean it helps us get through life in general sure i have a darker sense of humor i'm a very cynical gen xer um but I think there, it's really, we got to have a conversation about ethics in podcasting, especially yeah. true crime. We don't want to come off as insensitive towards victims. Mm-hmm. We don't want to make light of something that's just not fucking funny. Right. And so if you'll notice, I like to joke at the end. That's why we like to have more lighthearted stuff in here, like about Mothman, stuff that's just not too serious so that we can be funny. And we can break away, you know, we're, we're human beings, we're not machines. That's right. But I've noticed in a lot of the true crime slash comedy category, ooh, we're not being ethical. They're punching down instead of punching up. Like Always punch up. Mm-hmm. Punch, never punch mm-hmm. down. And, like, I do think that it is kind of vital, just in understanding cases and psychology, to understand that, a lot of these, um, you know, the perpetrators that we talk about in true crime, a lot of the times we have to acknowledge the fact that they were at one point victims. That's right. And and there is an acknowledgement and a separation between when they were a victim and when they became... A victimizer. A victimizer, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's kind of why we talk about the background so extensively. Right. I think it's really important to establish that background right because i definitely think that there should be a place in the conversation for the acknowledgement of you know the child that had to go through and endure really hard times because yes it is you know very important to talk about how terrible these crimes are but if you're not talking about the victim that was the child um you're doing a disservice you are frankly absolutely and you're not acknowledging how people Empathy empathy is so important, and I feel like that's missing a lot in true crime podcasts. I'm not going to call out any in particular because I think it's poor form and it's rude. You guys can make your own decisions on that. But I always want to try and be empathetic, and it doesn't mean I'm, like, rooting for the killer. I never am, no. and it's always wrong. Right. Um, but then we must talk, too, about diminished capacity at times when we're dealing with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the failings of our justice system, including the police and our mental health system in this country. And we got to trace it back and find out why. So that maybe, even though I have almost zero hope of this happening, we can fix it. We can make a difference and make things better. Mm -hmm. So the show I'm about to talk about that really took shit off the rails for, for the Heaven's Gate cult used to be one of my favorite fucking radio shows of all time. Oh, no. It is honestly the reason I'm married. Oh. 
And that is Coast to Coast I was AM. About to say it. <laughs> oh, no. Y'all, I've listened to that show since I was eight years old. It's so hard for me to hear you say Coast to Coast without you going Coast to Coast. I do the little <laughs> dance, and then there's a little song, which I'm not going to do because I don't want to get sued. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't listen to it now if you paid me because when Trump got elected, Boy, they went off the right wing rails and it was such a disappointment. Like it broke my heart, y'all. Part of the reason I decided to do a podcast and include paranormal stuff is there is like no left leaning paranormal anyone Mm -hmm. or women. I mean, there's a few, but they're right leaning for some fucking inexplicable reason. And so I thought, oh, this is a niche I can fill. It's obviously a need. I know I'm not the only one who's a big, uh, anarchist weirdo and loves space aliens (laughs) anyway so they were on that show well they weren't so in november of 1996 an amateur astronomer named chuck schrammick who lived in houston texas took a photograph of the hale-bopp comet and it showed a fuzzy object nearby his computer program was supposed to be able to identify like stars and stuff. Yeah. So he thought it was a big UFO. Like it was a craft and it was bigger than the earth. Wow. Wow. But he had set up his own computer program and done it wrong. Oh. And it was a star, but he didn't know that. And so he called in to the radio show Coast to Coast AM. And if you don't know what Coast to Coast AM is, it was a call-in radio show and still is that covers topics like UFOs, Bigfoot, and other paranormal and supernatural themes. Art Bell passed away a couple of years ago, but he was my favorite host, and he was the host at the time. Now, Art Bell is a really problematic individual. He's kind of a garbage shitbag. (laughs) But he was just a great host. He had the perfect voice for radio, Man, I would hear that. I would be delivering pizza at like midnight and Coast to Coast would come on. And I'm like, yep, here we go. It's going to be weird shit. Weird <laughs> shit delivering pizza. It was like heaven. Yeah. I was stoned. I was delivering pizza. I was sometimes eating pizza with the people I delivered it to. Yeah. Yeah. Brought pizza to an amateur porn set once. Oh, that yeah. was fun. No, I didn't star in it. Yes, they did ask. Um, bought him extra ranch, though, for free. I think you said bottom extra ranch. Bottom. No, I I was like, y'all gonna need some more dip. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) And, Kali, I just, even if you find the topic silly, I really encourage you to go onto YouTube and look up Old Coast to Coast with Art Bell. Because, man, that was a different time. That was like the Unsolved Mysteries era. It was Mm -hmm. just so fucking, it was so good. And Art took everything so fucking serious. He believed everything everyone told him. And so when this Chuck guy called in and he was like, where's a giant UFO? By the comet. He he ran with that shit. It was disproven relatively soon after. I'm sorry if you hear my dog. He's, He's barky today. Doe clearly heard this episode and believed that the object was their ship. The ship that was going to help them ascend to heaven. Thus the plan to have all of the members of Heaven's Gate kill themselves to join the spaceship trailing Hale-Bopp was formed. In December of 1996, Doe rented a house in Rancho Santa Fe, California. This would be the place they would spend the last months of their lives. 
<clears throat> excuse me. And so they had a big Christmas celebration and a talent show and they gave each other presents. When you look at like the last video they made and that was it, these were not sad people. They were really happy. Right. And maybe there's something about having a plan yeah. that you know your destiny that is a kind of freedom in and of itself. Right. And it's like to them, it's not the end. It's the beginning of something new. Yes. Um, it's like kind of like the ultimate road trip to like that the is ultimate exactly party. Like how they looked at like, it. Like they're going, they're going to like fucking Coachella or something in the sky. You that know is how I mean? they were looking at it, for <laughs> like, sure. So they were super excited. But look at what they get to give up. All those rigid rules are gone. Because right. that was rough. Yeah. Between the dates of March 23rd and 25th in 1997, all 39 members of Heaven's Gate, including Doe, took an overdose of barbiturates and vodka and killed themselves. The exact time of death is unknown, but those are the dates that the Hale-Bopp comet would be closest to Earth. They couldn't tell when they found their bodies because it had been a few days. Oh, yeah. They were dressed all in black tracksuits. They had $5.75 in their pockets. Oh, it's like the fare, like the bus fee. Exactly. This is what it's from. And it's <laughs> this is cute and sad. Oh, no. It was from an old Mark Twain story where the cost to ride the tail of a comet to heaven was $5.75. Oh, no. And I don't know why that broke my heart, but it really did. It sounds like child, like, like Very story childish. book yeah. kind of. Yeah. Fairy tale shit. Fairy tale shit. Pitiful. Yeah. So pitiful. It's very wholesome. It's very wholesome. I know. It is an extreme, like, opposite to it's a juxtaposition yeah of the last case we're gonna go to heaven watering people alive for satan and (laughs) and like we want to ride on a star to heaven yeah (laughs) here's my five dollars or 75 cents (laughs) it's so pitiful my god they had black nikes on gold wedding bands and a purple shroud over their faces each person also had a plastic bag placed over their heads, and asphyxiation was the ultimate cause of death. Um, they did it in waves so that the ones alive could assist the ones dying. And well, clean up at least after they them. weren't alone. Well, the last the two end. bodies didn't have the shrouds over their heads, so that's concluded they were the last two to go. Yeah. Doe was in the second wave. He died alone in an upstairs bedroom on a king bed. I think he knew what he'd done. Yeah. I think he took it too far. He knew it. I think he didn't really believe in what he was doing. I think it was an elaborate fantasy for him to escape being gay. Yeah. I think he had so much self-loathing. Yeah. And he didn't even want to be with them when they died because I think of the shame and the guilt. Absolutely. I don't think he felt worthy to be with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. The last two bodies, like I said, didn't have shrouds, so it, it was cl- but they did have the bags. Former members Mark and Sarah King now run the Tila Foundation. And that's what's believed to be like the remnants of Heaven's Gate. And it's likely them who run the Heaven's Gate website. Wow, it's still up. It is still up. Wow. Yeah. And there were some suicides afterwards. So two former members who weren't there at the compound they had left. Yeah. Of course, they see all the stuff on TV. Uh-huh. They got together, got a hotel room together, and tried to kill themselves in a similar fashion. One of them lived. Wow. Yeah. And then two months later, he took his life. 
Wow. Really pitiful. And then a guy inspired by the Heaven's Gate said he wanted to join them too. He killed himself. Oh so I think goodness. there were ultimately four, su- three or four suicides after this. Well, you and you have to think about it like, not necessarily rationally, but um, quite as rational. But like, they think that if they die at this one specific time, they're going to ride the Hellbot Comet to heaven. To heaven. Well, that that's already done, gone past. Well, they just felt... That's like trying to run and catch a train days later after the train's already passed. Well, I mean, there's so much cognitive dissonance going on. I don't think a yeah. date's going to matter. Okay. That's interesting, though. Only four members remain alive and active today. They believe the Earth will be recycled in 2027. What does recycle mean? Kablooey and made over again. Oh. Well, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I don't care either yeah. way. Um, yeah, but... Uh, you can go to the Heaven's Gate website. I will link it in the description. You should. Yeah, I absolutely will. Yeah. And I'm going to link a couple of the videos. Okay. So you can kind of see what uh, Marshall Applewhite was like. Okay. Um, I'm not going to link to any of the videos making fun of him because I feel it's shameful and not funny. I feel it's just incredibly sad because yeah. there's 39 people. That's 39 families. Yes. And they did not have any contact with their loved one. And the next thing they hear is they're dead. So, no, I don't think that's a joke. Yeah. Is it silly that they believed a UFO would come take them to heaven? No, it's not. Do you want to know why it's not silly, Willow? Because the entire fucking world has, like, entire cultures and civilizations based on the fact that they think that some carpenter died and is going to come back to them and resurrect all of their souls and take them to heaven. Yeah. So, I mean. Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> and you everybody know, believes something wackadoo. So, hey, I believe whatever. lots of wackadoo stuff, and I'm really tired of people. They weren't stupid. They weren't crazy. People pick and pick and choose what they want to make fun of. Mm-hmm. And how about we just don't? Yeah. Remember, y'all, punch down, not up. Like yeah. you can make fun of the Pope. Yeah, it's just like whenever we talk about um, drinking the Kool Aid versus you know. Uh, flavor aid we're making fun of the fact that it's flavor aid we're not making fun of the fact that all those people all died. those people fucking died no as, i'm making fun of the neck beards and... the neck beards that like come and tell me like you should cover jonestown drink the kool-aid i'm like yeah. no you blithering idiot it's flavor aid i'm correcting it because i'm wanting to be accurate and I'm tired of that phrase, and I'm tired of it taking away the meaning that those people's deaths had. And it's taking a, it's taking away the the power and the inherent evil behind a lot of these cults. You know, they're like, oh well, they drank the Kool Aid, they got involved in a cult. So well, what I want to look at here is what crime was committed. I think that it that he coerced those people into killing themselves, absolutely, without having met. Marshall Applewhite, those people would have never done that. Had he lived, he would have been charged with conspiracy. All kinds of shit. So, you know, self-inflicted murder. Because, I mean, they were all it. giving they were all giving him their money. Yes. Let's be clear. They had jobs, and they worked it for the cult and brought the money home. He did mm-hmm. not have a job. He was just right. there As to say stuff. As every other cult leader. So, exactly. You know. uh, but, yeah, no, there's, I forgot what the term is. But there is an actual, like, 
charged that you can get charged with for getting people to kill themselves. For, yes, and it's conspiracy to something. something. Yeah, y'all. So I definitely to think suicide or I think this belongs. I do not think, I'm going to be honest, I don't think suicide most of the time it should be a crime. I'm just going to be honest with you. No, I don't. Your, it's your choice. That's that's why at the very beginning I was like, well, you know, if they want to die. That's I don't body. think it was their choice because they were brainwashed. So they, exactly. didn't, they didn't have the agency then to make the choice. Right. Because right. what life do they have to go to if they leave the cult? They've right. given up all their worldly possessions. Mm-hmm. and their identities and i think mm-hmm. it was just a systematic brainwashing mind control and ultimate murder of these people yeah so i feel really sorry for marshall applewhite i think he's a pitiful person but what he did was evil and ultimately wrong and murder yeah fuck cults yeah absolutely and in case you're wondering do what do i think a cult is literally every religion that exists you find me one that does some positive things and no don't you tell me no charity work because I can point out 20 other things they've done bad. Like the Catholic Church is an excellent example of this. And I will pick Stop on them forever. Stop touching children. Stop touching children. Stop killing people. Yeah. Stop colonization. Mm-hmm. F- fucking stop. Yeah. You know, we were talking about, in, in this discussion, why can't a cult just be like puppies and kittens and shit? Because people suck and you give them power and they abuse it. Um, the closest I've come look, is the Raelian cult. At, look at animal shelters across the fucking world. Yeah. Look at, you know, the the dumping sites of animals. We can't even treat them you nice. Know, we, we, we can't even treat puppies and kitties nice enough to have a puppies and kitties cult. That's true. Like, we would so fuck that up somehow. We fucking suck. We do fucking suck. But, like, the Raelian cult's a good example of the whole message of the cult is that you've got to love one another and be free. Right. And I can't really think of anything nicer than that. Right. There aren't really any rules. Except give all your money to Rail and let him just f- fuck underage girls, I guess. Yeah, and then there you get there, and it's like, well... See, ruined by a horny old man. Ruined by a horny old man. Who was also a plagiarist and a liar, and if you want to hear that episode, y'all, it is up on our Patreon so it's patreon.com slash cruelty, yeah. where we upload an extra episode a week and none of them have ads. Mm-hmm. And it helps support the podcast. We also have a Discord coming, which I'm really excited about. But I had to have my children do it because I'm an old lady and I don't understand technology. I like it, but I just don't. I can use it, but somebody has to show me. I'm like grandma when she first got a microwave. Yeah, I literally have no idea what a Discord... I mean, you kind of told me what it was. And when you told me, I was like, ooh, that's fucking cool. And now... Now it's gone. Yeah. But basically, if you become a patron, you can go to the VIP room and I will hang out in there while I'm doing my research so you can talk to me. I'll try to do the same thing so that way we can... We can't guarantee when we'll be in there, though. Like the case that I'm I'm, um, covering next that I'm researching currently... Um, you know, a lot of times I just want to like beep derp into like our community and be like, Hey y'all, like I'm, what do you think of this shit? Do any of you guys have experiences with this? Like, do you know anything else about this? Do you know like anybody that could have been involved with this? Like, this is really fucking interesting. Like, this is crazy. What do you think? Yeah. And place to give us some ideas of cases you'd like to hear or weird Mm -hmm. experiences that you've Mm -hmm. had. So yeah. And we'll have a general chat room where you guys can talk to each other. And I will certainly pop in there from time to time. In addition to doing these podcasts, y'all, we work really hard at other things. Willow is a photographer. I do everything. You know, I make art, I make jewelry, I make soap. I write books along with my husband who just finished a novel called I Devil. 
a love story. Yes, it's about Spicy Daddy falling in love, and it is maybe the cutest book of an all space and time. So I see it's very funny. It is the funniest book I've ever read. So if you like books like Good Omens, go check it out. You will love it. It's on Wattpad for free. And as always, the link to everything we do, including producer Will's band and his music, will be up in the description box in our link tree, and you can just have a party. My middle kid's art's there. It's really fun. It's free, most of it. Can't say no to free. That's right. That's right. And I'm going to say goodnight now because we're done. We're tired. Yes, and that made me sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go pet a kitty. I am going to go pet a kitty, as a matter of fact. Puppy. Or my puppy. Mm-hmm. My dog. All right, guys. We love right. you. Good night. We love you. Find us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie Bean.